Blog Talk Radio. Tonight we have a couple of really great guests, and of course we're going to get into that. Um, before we do, I am of course Stephen Platinum, and joining me as always is the venerable man about town, Larry Goodman. How are you doing tonight, Larry? Fine, uh, Mr. Platinum. I'm well fortified. I stopped at Culver's on oh. the way home today and had a wonderful <laughs> custard custard ice cream. Boy, that's good stuff. That's hard to find. You, son you ever of had a, a Culver's? Bitch. Oh, I, yes. Uh, it's been a long time. I don't, you know, I, if you haven't noticed from my videos, I'm, uh, I've, I've dropped quite a bit of weight and uh, my workouts have increased. And so what that means is, of course, I have to watch what I eat because I'm old. So, yeah, you, you talking about Culver's is, is giving me a serious case of envy right now. Yes. No doubt about I mean, it. I know it's, it's, it's primarily for those who don't know, it's primarily a Wisconsin thing, which has now begun to spread. And we actually have a couple in Georgia. I mean, where else can you get cheese curds? Not that necessarily you'd want cheese curds, but where else can you get cheese curds except at Culver's? Well, you know, at uh, here in Orlando, of course, the home of Disney world, in Disney Springs, they try to have – it's kind of like the restaurant and store area, and they have a little of everything for everybody. They actually have poutine, which is um, <laughs> gravy what? on top of fries <laughs> with cheese curds and everything else. So, oh my But God. thanks to their health care, the Canadians will still outlive us all. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> And so it goes. Well, Larry, um, if you want to talk about our, I mean, we have Logan Chase on, of course, uh, manager yeah. about town and uh, a big muckety muck. He'll be on later on. He wrote that great article about managers in general, and it's going to be a lot of fun to talk to him. But um, we kind of had a last minute guest uh, added on. I don't know if you wanted to talk about that right now. Well, yeah, I mean, I thought that with uh, Hardcore Hell 21 upon us, Mm-hmm. It'd be nice to have somebody from the anarchy realm, the Cornelia realm, on the show tonight. And who better than 2011 announcer of the year, John Johnson? So he agreed to uh, come on on rather uh, graciously to come on on rather short notice, and he'll be on in uh, shortly. Is our is our leadoff guest? Right on. Well, we we have a number of t- topics to tackle. You know, Larry and I always talk about this stuff in advance. And I'm really excited about the topics. These are these are all Larry uh, came up with all of these topics. But let's just jump into one right away, whichever one you want, Larry. Well, I was, you know, 
I was just thinking with the there's so much wrestling content out there and so little time at least for me to actually watch wrestling because I watch less than I used to, um, and, and almost none of it WWE if I can avoid it. But anyway, I was just thinking about so with this limited amount of time and I know you don't watch that much, like what do we actually take the time and go out of our way to look at given that scenario? Mm. So that that's my question. My my answer is simple. I watch very little wrestling and I watch a lot of things that are about wrestling. So what I mean by that is like I was all over the John Oliver thing about wrestling that came out that the WWE responded to. I'm, I find myself watching more story, and, and part of that is a product of modern life. If you watch a topic on YouTube or anything else, you will tend to get a lot of video sent your way to watch about that topic. So um, because I tend to watch a lot of like wrestling shoot video stuff on YouTube and news stories about wrestling, so the, all I watch is that. And then whatever the hottest topics seem to be, I'll go out of my way to watch that stuff. So if somebody points out something like this great match happened in New Japan, I'll go watch it. And then I'll watch people's reactions to that. Um, so the thing that I watched today, for example, was people were apparently talking about that, like, segment with the cop cars with, like, Charlotte, Becky Lynch, and uh, Ronda Rousey for the, like, the go-home show. So I watched that. And then I would watch what people were saying about that. I kind of think that that's where I am with wrestling. Uh, again, I'm more interested in wrestling as a backdrop thing than going out of my way to watch a show. Like, Larry, I may not, I, I just realized, I may not watch WrestleMania. <laughs> I'll probably watch well, whatever the, whatever what people talk about, I'll watch, if that makes sense. So people who are like, oh, such and such match was really good, then I'll go out of my way to watch it, just that match. I just don't have the, I don't have the patience to sit there. However long that show's supposed to be this year, isn't it like 17 matches? I mean, oh my God, put a gun in my mouth, it, I can't do it. No, that makes two of us. So. I'll, I'll probably do the same as far as what I actually watch, or I may have it on and not really be watching it for some of it. But anyway, continue. But that's it. Yeah, I, I watch things about wrestling. I thought the John Oliver thing was incredibly interesting. Um, it was the rare, usually when wrestling gets some kind of noteworthy news coverage, it's the Nancy Graces of the world. People who have an ax to grind against wrestling or they see wrestling as it was 20 years ago. And then they, you know, it's usually predicated with some headline of like wrestling gets body slammed by, you know, something lame like that. But John Oliver is clearly a fan of the WWE yet kind of put out this expose piece the WWE, I thought their response was interesting, where they kind of went after the, no, we really care about the health of our wrestlers, but didn't address John Oliver's main thing, which was they call them independent contractors, and that's bullshit. They don't pay well, for their health insurance, and that's bullshit. And they don't, like, basically all the stuff that, it's all the stuff that uh, if the WWE had to convert and actually treat all of these guys like employees, which they clearly are, um, it would cause such an upheaval that I would be interested in to see what happens, honestly. Because, I mean, it's, it's, it's just it's a joke that, that you can call these guys that, independent I mean, contractors. 
that was the piece. Some of some of the stuff he talked about to me was dated, but that was the piece that really yeah. interested me in Oliver was the in, the independent contract thing, was which is indisputable, really, that they're employees and not independent contractors. And on a related tangent, I thought it was interesting. Not that this is related to to or precipitated by it, that Linda McMahon is leaving the Trump administration. Um, I just he thought that was on just his an, campaign. Correct. I I think it's interesting that. Again, you know, she she got the appointment because they gave five million to Trump's campaign, right? There's just like no way around that. And she had two failed Senate runs and kept her head down enough. Apparently, had done enough of a job to impress um, that at one point she was being considered for like a position with commerce and and all that. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And um, at the end of the day, I guess it's. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's, you either get fired in disgrace or you just work on his campaign. <laughs> it's just like, it's just such a strange you, time. You, str- you stumble along like Wilbur Ross. I, I guess there's a few, maybe a few of those, but yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm waiting for, and I may have to write this damn thing myself, is the parallels between Donald Trump and Vince McMahon are so numerous. Oh, I mean, oh. Just, is, don't get me started, is, please. <laughs> is um, so numerous the way people react to each of them. I always think it's funny whenever a negative, what could be considered a hit piece comes out on wrestling, wrestling people who despise Vince McMahon will nonetheless rally to his side and start declaring what a great guy Vince McMahon is. And uh, I always think it's funny that people in general, but wrestling people in particular, can't ever seem to acknowledge that two things can be true, right? Vince McMahon did a bunch of great things for pro wrestling, but that doesn't mean that he isn't a despicable person, right? Vince McMahon (laughs) makes a lot of money in wrestling and is undeniably a success in wrestling and in general. However, that doesn't mean it didn't come on the broken backs <laughs> and ruin lives of dozens, if not hundreds of people. So I, I just find, again, he's such a fascinating study. I'm curious, Larry, I'm going to pose a big question here that we don't need to answer right now. I've always thought when Vince McMahon dies, even though WWE is now technically a corporate structure and all this other stuff, I can't help but feel like, Vince McMahon and Ric Flair are the last two true touchstones of an era. And when they're gone, I don't know if anything is the same in wrestling anymore. Um, I don't even know what wrestling becomes without those guys. Um, And maybe that's just like the nostalgia in me talking, but I just, everyone seems very excited. Younger people are very excited about the thought of Triple H and Stephanie taking over. And I was like, I would love evidence on why they're sure that that's going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't see it. I mean, NXT is great ish, um, but I don't see anything where the WWE, I mean, it makes a lot of money for a group of people. And beyond that, I don't, I don't know what it's going to become, but it's certainly fascinating. 
But uh, well, we had a couple of other topics to definitely cover before JJ comes on. So. Yeah, I just thought, uh, well, as, as far as what I watch uh, when I have time, I'll just yeah. be very brief on this. Uh, I, got, I find myself going out of my way to f- anything where I see Teddy Hart or Tessa Blanchard. I'll stop and watch if they happen to come on something that's on. I mean, I stop. I hardly ever watch any online stuff. I watched, was watching a bar. I was just flipping through a, a bar wrestling show, and there was Tessa Blanchard. Well, I stopped and watched that match. And the other thing I watch is, is MLW. is like the only show that I'll actually go out of my way to watch probably almost every week. Because to me, it's oh, and now, wow. they, now Cornette's doing commentary on there, which makes me want to watch it even a little more. Um, so, yeah, but other than that, those are the things I go out of the way. I mean, to me, Teddy Hart and Tessa Blanchard are channeling such wonderful things about from wrestling through the ages that I'll stop and watch watch them when I get a chance. Um, but, um, you know, we, on our last show we had uh, a number of people on. <laughs> Two of them were Scott Hensley and Gunnar Miller, which led to uh, a interview on Gunnar Miller's podcast, The 60-Minute Broadway, where mm-hmm. Gunnar had Scott Hensley in studio. And um, I made a couple notes on that um, show because it went on oh, like please. an hour and ten minutes, and just a few basic, a few. You know, there were some interesting points made. Um, one thing that I want to say right off the bat is they buried the hatchet. Um, M- Miller um, wished said he wished he hadn't posted the stuff on Facebook because it made him look bad. And one thing that was clear is that Scott had smartened Miller up to some things about SCI finances that he didn't know about because. Actually, you know, the first three SCIs, all the way through SCI Rumble 2018, uh, Josh Massey, Ace Rockwell, was responsible for all the deals with the wrestlers. Uh, Scott Hensley mm-hmm. didn't have any, anything to do with that. So, um, he, you know, it was clear from something that Gunnar said later in the broadcast that he learned some things that he didn't know before. Um, but I thought one of the interesting things that came up was what, is, what actually is the deal that SCI makes with the high schools? that they go into. And Scott was, uh, Scott yeah. was very open about this. They get um, $2,000 flat from the school plus 5% of the ticket sales and use of the venue. Everything else goes to the school. So, gotcha. you know, in some, in some cases that's worked out very well. It's in the case of the rumble, they raised over $4,000. Um, the show with that was at Hickson, a high school, not so much. That school didn't do so well. Um, but that's that's the deal they they make. Um, one of the points that was made on the broadcast was would SCI be and this was the the I think the co-host Steve Wepper was talking about this. Would they be better off with a more broad-based charity than local high schools like you know St. Jude's or something something like that that has a broader base of appeal to the larger community than a, a particular high school? Might that be a better way to go? I thought that was an interesting. Uh, and then there was a discussion of the whole thing of the wrestlers being paid, paid in exposure bucks and the pros and cons of that, you know, sort of barter system, basically, is is what it is with getting wrestlers on the shows for very little money in return for getting, a, you know, hopefully a lot of exposure. Um, it came out during the show that, according to Gunner, his total pay for all three SCIs, and any work related to the SCIs, I guess there was a fourth show that he did as well besides the uh, actual invitationals. Total pay, 60 bucks. 
Oh, I take it back. No, he yeah. got forty for two of them. He got forty for two of them and twenty for another. A hundred, a hundred bucks total for everything. I, for three years. you know, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. For any promotion to run in a long-term thing, the model has been you have to control costs as opposed to draw people. Now, SCI had the fortune of kind of doing both, right? But when you're the hot show, you can do that. It's when you're not the hot show anymore that, I mean, PCW always ran on a shoestring budget, but then again, it was initially comprised exclusively of my students, right? (laughs) And then outside people would negotiate with me on an individual basis with the understanding that you weren't going to get paid very much. But they could see the crowds weren't, very big, right? Um, and uh, at SCI, that does shock me that they pay so little. And it also highlights the fact that that was a show that the boys used to clamor to be on. I'm not so sure that that's going to be the case. Maybe not this year, but the year after. Um, you know, I'm surprised they would discuss pay so openly. Um, I guess, you know, it's Gunnar Miller talking, right? Um, right. At the end of the day, it's like, I, I mean, this illusion that you can make, and I mean, guys like Bob Cook, you, you know, they they put out. I got. I'll just call them out. It's a fantasy that, like, no, you can actually make a pretty viable income on the independent scene as basically a no name. No, you can't. <laughs> and and these guys, I mean, it's kind of a huckster mentality. You know, it's like, oh, you know, because you can sell shirts. I mean, there's a story going around. I mean, like AWE, like all these indie darlings, that it's like, oh, you know, they actually charge very little is because they make up so much money in T-shirts. I mean, it's all bullshit. It's, there are guys that get paid a bunch, but it's because they negotiate their own deals. But even they yeah, don't get paid like this incredible amount of money, you know. Nobody well, does. And Gunner was taking responsibility. He, he was taking responsibility for his, those decisions. He wasn't really complaining about the money. He said he didn't know how re- how wrestling right. worked, and it wasn't it wasn't about the money. What he is very clearly pissed about is that he expected by now that he would be signed, and he wasn't. And he was talking about how his match with Matt Riddle how that looked legit because it was a UFC guy versus a Division One football linebacker. And he said that a lot of the rest of the guys in wrestling look like um, guys rolling a cart through a grocery store. And they looked legit. And another interesting thing he said was that the fakest thing he ever did was be nice to the guys in the locker room. Um, that was more fake mm. than anything he did in the ring. Um, wow. So I, anyway, yeah, it dovetails into, did you see superstar Billy Graham recently kind of releases, and, and you know, he's, he's in his like wacky, like get off my lawn stage in wrestling. But his thing was, look, Kofi Kingston is probably going to be world champion. And the guy's 145 pounds wrestling is doomed. And I thought that that was, um, I mean, that's basically what Gunner's saying in a nutshell, right? That, we can't get out of this mentality of like the seventies and eighties, which was, 
I mean, there was a time where heavyweight boxing mattered, right? Where it shook the world. Now it doesn't. The most famous boxers are tiny. Um, the most famous UW, UFC guys are not the heavyweights, with the exception of Brock Lesnar. I think that's a hard adjustment for people to make mentally. He's not wrong. Gunnar Miller's not wrong. Like him and Matt Riddle, that's definitely something noteworthy. But wrestling is not that anymore. You know, it just isn't. And maybe that's why crowds are less people watch. Um, but then the people who are watching are willing to spend more money too. So I don't know what all of that means, but it's clear we're in a completely different era. That's for sure. And size is no longer, uh, I mean, I think Roman Reigns sort of got caught in that trap of, he looks like the prototype of a star, but now that almost works as a negative. I mean, who are, who are, who's going to be walking out of the main matches at WrestleMania? You know, it's going to be smaller people. It's going to be women. And uh, yeah. we're just, we're in a sea change right now. And that's just the way Absolutely. it is. Um, well, uh, there's more, but I'll let that be because we've got our first guest on the line. Hot to get on the show here. I'm sure he's ready. Our f- former Georgia announcer of the year, a mainstay in the Landmark Arena in the announcing booth. Uh, pleased to welcome John Johnson to the Tipping Point. Hey guys, I'm. Uh, I gotta admit, I'm a little nervous here, man. I'm uh, gonna get up in the morning and there's gonna be a video from uh, from Steve there ranking the guests. But I mean, I guess if there's only two of us, uh, I got a 50/50 shot of actually not sucking. <laughs> you know, I I gotta say that ranking thing is one of the smartest things I ever did because b- boy, uh, I I should know by now, JJ, that like anytime you put guys in a list um, or anything in a list, like that immediately changes the game, no matter what people say. So um, you just gotta beat Loki Chase, and you're the winner. So that's the good. Oh, <laughs> It's a coin flip oh, chance of greatness, man. <laughs> now, you, know, you see, now you put the pressure on me even more, man. Now, now this is going to just mm-hmm. totally blow. I'm just going to hang up and call back later. <laughs> but, no, I, you know, the thing is, like, I, I read that. Because what happened was you put this out, but I didn't even know you put a video out. And then all of a sudden I see, like, all these comments. And I'm like, crap, what did Steve do this time? Because you know, I'm so used to you, like, pissing everybody off. You know, I mean, because God knows up in this area, you know, up in North Georgia, I mean, I know you've, like, made everybody up here just absolutely love you. And, like, I Mm -hmm. go and, like, see what you do, and I'm like, why is everybody so mad? And it always happens that way, you know, from things that you write. And I'm like, why is everybody so mad? I mean, it's just him expressing his opinion and what he feels is there. I mean, if you're mad about it, there has to be a nugget of truth of what is in there. And I was just well, like, J- to me, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Well, JJ, yeah, I mean, uh, speaking of, much. it wasn't that bad, but this is going to be bad. Um, it, so, you know, I've, obviously the tipping point, we've done a lot of different things lately, and it's very exciting. But there was an idea that Larry shot down, and I totally agree with him shooting it down for tipping point, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take every promotion in Georgia and give them a report card. 
to determine oh what their GPA is. And then that way we rank and file every promotion in Georgia and stack them up against each other. If you think that's not going to anger everybody, uh, I, but I, I think that it's, I, it's something I want to do to try to give some objective standard on who's the best. Um, so this is my, this is my quick call out and plug for myself. My email is splatinum at gmail.com. Send me the names. Anybody who wants to do this, please do it. Send me the name of every promotion you can think of in Georgia and how I can look at their stuff to determine what any number of factors that I'm going to grade them on. Um, I, I, JJ, I don't know about you. I mean, you've been doing this a long effing time. Like, I loved that stuff in the magazines and, like, PWI and stuff. I loved lists. I loved discussions about who would beat whom and all that kind of stuff. I love that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, with, with Hardcore Hell going in its 21st and a bunch of guys going into the Hall of Fame, and you're going through all this stuff in your real life, what is your perspective as a guy who's really been there for it all and managed to have – I don't know if you would like me saying this, but just a great outlook on life and wrestling in general. But now you're looking at 21 years of hardcore hell, all the changes that have happened in that building with who's running it, who's participating there, old things become new again. Um, guys that we, you know, Bill Barron's is back and, and doing his thing, but then guys that you respect like Dan are no longer there. I mean, What's your perspective and take on all of this as we go into the 21st Hardcore Hell? You know, the thing is, like, I remember, and I'm going to backtrack here a little bit, so this will give you an idea. Um, back, I guess, around 2000, 2000, yeah, about 2000, I was working for a guy named Don Lewis, who I think a lot of people know who Moose Lewis is. I know Moose. Harry has heard the name. Moose. Yes. <laughs> oh, he, he was, you know, the thing is, I'm not going to bury the guy on here because this is not what this is about. But I was trying so hard to get in with Bill and get in with Wildside and everything. And I just remember, you know, he had Dan, he had Jeff, he had Al. So, you know, there was nothing for me to do. And when I finally got to that building, I just remember just, you know, like, oh, my God, I'm finally here. I felt like I had arrived. And But, you know, I've been there for 16 years now. I've been in that building for, God, I can't believe I can even say that, 16 years. And it's been so much fun. And then, you know, but you see all the changes, and the thing is, it's kind of like I go through everything else in my life. I just kind of go through the ebb and flow of everything. I just kind of remember why I got in this business. You know, you talked about the old, you know, PWIs and the old aftermags, and I love that aspect of it. You know, I love to present it as a sport, but at the same time, keep that, you know, hey, there's going to be changes. This is entertainment. Let's have some fun with it. And no matter what happens, wherever I go, I'm always just going to have fun because that's what I'm there for, is to have a lot of fun and, you know, to make some memories, so to speak. Uh-oh. Yeah, you know, no, no, uh, you know I, I always, um, one of the, I started putting up the, uh, the pro wrestler handbook stuff, and I was looking at my old notes from when I trained guys. That's what kind of was the, 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 you know, the impetus to do all of this. And I stumbled across a lecture that I used to give, which was, um, <laughs> um, um, I better not fucking hear that was a fun show. 
And what, what my premise was, was often guys use, they come to the back and they go, well, that was a fun show as an excuse to cover for a bad show. Right. As right. if, you know, but I think what you're talking about is something really different, right? Which is the, like the experience is fun. To me, fun is, is pulling off something great and something successful. And I think even with the rise of groups that are drawing, you know, in the hundreds and hundreds, there's something special about that building because at the end of the day, like greatness happened there, you know, uh, I like, that's the one undeniable fact that they would, they have like sustained runs, right. You know, the devil's rejects versus the elite, like stuff that people still talk about that stars came out of and, and you got to be a part of all that. Like with, with everything that you're going through in life, and I'm not going to put that out on the street unless you want to talk about it directly, but like, has your perspective shifted in light of the fact that like when you're, when you're faced with your own, like just flat out your own mortality, does that change your opinion about wrestling, about being in that building and about how you spend your time in regards to wrestling? Uh, it does because, you know, I, and I said something last night, you know, at dinner with my mom and my wife, and my mom said, please don't talk like that. And I was like, you know, I really want to spend more time with my friends while I still have it. You know, and like I said, chances are with my health issues, not going down in a second, you know, it could be something that passes. You know what I mean? It, it could be something that I totally beat out and don't have to worry about it. But in the back of my mind, too, it's like these are the moments I need to make count. I mean, I'm 42 years old. I feel I still have a whole lot of time left, but you never know. Cause when things like this come along, it can really shift the way you think, like you're saying, um, things that used to matter a lot to me just don't seem to matter as much. But at the same time, there's that part of me that, you know, I got in this business in 93. I was brought up to respect the business. You protect the business, you preserve the business, you do that. So yeah, while well, there's that part of me that says, you know, and, and I think you understood what I was saying when I said I like to have fun, but there's still that Absolutely. part of me that wants to preserve everything, you know, because to me, I, you know, it is something that was a lifelong dream. I know everybody says that, it's so cliched, but, you know, this started for me when I was five years old, you know, and then by happenstance, they opened up a wrestling school right in front of my apartment, not my apartment complex. <laughs> But my yes. apartment, I walked out the back door of my apartment into the strip mall into where I trained. <laughs> you know, so I'm, that, and that, that is a absolute true story. Um, that happened in Norcross with Sammy Ken, opened up his North Georgia Wrestling Academy, his, like, third one. But it was I, – I think what happened was I think he followed me from a show one day, found out where I lived, and then just opened it there because he knew what a mark I was. I wasn't going to pay to train. It didn't matter that I sucked. I was horrible. My God. Um, my first night, Joel Deaton was training me my first night. I was so uh -huh. bad that Joel Deaton decided to go to Japan. He washed his hands <laughs> on me. Joel, Joel left for Japan, man, and he was gone. So then, you know, I got trained by some local guys, and New Jack was there every now and then. And, you know, New Jack didn't kill me, which that was a blessing. Um, you know, but, I mean, I learned a lot. But, I mean, I was going to quit. There was actually a point in my life, this, this is how much I loved wrestling, even at 16. I knew I sucked. I knew I was never going to be a good wrestler, and I wanted mm. to quit. 
And the guys talked me into sticking around. They say, dude, you got something about you. You got this way about you. Stick around. Referee, do something. You'll learn the rest of the stuff. You'll learn to be a performer. I stuck with it, and, you know, here it is 26 years later. In fact, it's 26 years ago this month, and here I still am. Wow. Just kind of here. <laughs> JJ, as a, as a Norcross resident, i got to ask, where the hell in Norcross did Sammy Kent have his school? Okay, so how long have you lived in Norcross? <laughs> uh, over 20 years. Okay, perfect. You know South Norcross Tucker Road? Yeah. Like if you're – okay, so you know like where it intersects with Jimmy Carter and you're coming down yes. South Norcross Tucker Road going towards Tucker? Yeah. Okay, there is an apartment complex. I don't know what they're called now, but they were Cherrywood back in the day when I lived there. And then there's like a series of strip malls. And after that strip mall, there's like a Publix. Uh, well, it used to be a Publix, but now I think there's like a spin cycle washing laundromat there or whatever. It's the strip mall right before that on the right-hand side. There was a karate studio there called Renault's Yoshikai Karate. And Jim Renault was actually one of the guys that helped train me. He was a worker for wow. Sammy Kent. So he got the karate studio and had uh, Jim training people out of that karate studio. That's tremendous. Hey, uh, yeah. to go back to uh, um, Landmark Arena, I mean, 16 years I know this is a yeah. tough question, but what, can you just come up with one or two things that are like etched in your mind, just etched in your mind from being in that building, experiences you've had there? Oh, man. Oh, God, there, there's so many. I um, know. Definitely I know. the rejects and <laughs> – the, the first rejects and anarchy feud that uh, actually kick-start the company and just like really gave us our balls and um, put yeah. us on the map and, you know, afford us to – to go to the Remember When Theater and things like that. I remember that like it was yesterday. I remember the war games from Hostile Environment 06 um, like it was yesterday. I mean, I just remember, the, you know, the nuclear heat in that place and just the, the reaction of the crowd, the poodle squad, um, you know, shrieking at everything. And I remember, you know, mm. just that time frame was so amazing. Yeah. Is, you yeah. know, it would stand out and – I mean, God, just the guys that came through, seeing, you know, Xavier Woods for the first time or, you know, seeing, you know, yeah. um, and this actually goes back to the wild side days, but seeing uh, Dash Wilder, Stephen Walters. Um, right. Stephen came in on a Friday night show and was just a skinny little kid, man, that, you know, came in. Rick gave him a chance, you know, on the Friday night shows. And I remember he didn't have a wrestling name, and I just came up with the most generic name. I don't even know where I came up with Stephen Walters, but he liked it enough wow. to keep it for a long time. That was you. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah, that he'll tell you that too. And I mean, it was it was just the most generic name I could think of. And I'll tell you, this is the this was my proud moment with that name. Um, I was looking for something. <laughs> I was doing some research, and stumbled across the NXT Wikipedia page. And they had Dash Wilder, and they had his real name listed as Stephen Walters. I was like, oh, that's awesome. They really do believe that's his real name. I was like, that is cool. I was like, the worst name ever. You know, the worst name ever, you know. And I was like, and, but, you know, hey, you know, and look where he's at now. So that was, you know, that that's like, you know, some moments that I look back on, you know, being in there for so long and um, – Away from the arena now with Anarchy, one of my favorite moments um, for me personally was falling into the river. We were shooting some wraparounds for the DVD. It is November because we were there doing Fright Night. And I said, you know, I said, what if I just get so excited I fall into the river? 
And they're like, dude, you're not going to do that. And I was like, I will totally do that. I don't care. So we went out, and originally, this is how stupid I am, and I knew I was going to kill myself if I did this. I wanted to fall off of a bridge, but everybody put the kibosh on that one. Yeah, yeah, I was going to just kind of just take the back bump off the bridge. But remember I told you oh I thought I sucked, so the back bump would have been horrible. <laughs> you know, so um, it would have started, like, no, on that. a block of ice. Oh, my God. Oh, that river was so cold. <laughs> And if you ever watch the uh, the Fright Night 06 DVD and you watch the wraparounds, which I totally recommend watching the wraparounds because they're so funny. I'm not just saying that because I'm in them. Well, I am right. saying it because I'm in them because, you know, whatever. You know, hey, <laughs> I can be a mark for myself. Who cares? Uh, but there's this part where you see me fall back into the river, and I fall ass first. And you can imagine the cold water is rushing up, and it hits oh. the right spot at the right moment. And you can see – like the real look of shock on my face. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, Greg Hunter, please wrap this up. I need to get back in that building and put a towel on or something because I am freezing and I don't need any more shrinkage. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, you know, but yeah, but I mean, you know, it's. And I'll tell you one other thing, too. And I mean, the last run for Anarchy before, uh, you know, when we were doing the things with you guys, with you, Platinum. That was a lot of fun, too, um, just because I got a chance to relive some of the commentary I did with the rejects because I kind of took the human approach. I wasn't so much cheering for the good guys as I was cheering against the people who were trying to take my job. And so, you Mm -hmm. know, to me it was like it gave me a chance to still go for the people I'm supposed to go for, but I'm doing it for selfish reasons. So that, that was a lot of fun, too. You know, you you pointed out when you know you're falling in the river. Uh, when you're looking at the guys that are inducting into the Hall of Fame, right? Jeff, of course, Dan, and uh, Tank and Iceberg. And whenever right. I think back on those videos and the shows and everything those guys did and everybody else, it was just such a creative thing where everybody was just doing the doing whatever it took to get stuff across as big as possible. And I, I, am I wrong in saying that that spirit, there's a, there's not much of that spirit in wrestling in general anymore. There was something special about like the late nineties, early two thousands, where it was like, I'll do anything to get on that show. I'll do anything on that show to get a thing over that maybe sometimes stuff was too much or too extreme or too crazy, or it's, Jeff lighting a, you know, a gravestone on fire or, or whatever. But there was this <laughs> idea of like, you've got to go big. Like you, you didn't think twice. I'm going to, I'm going to fall in this river for a wraparound on a DVD, you know, but it, it was like, that's what you did is you, you did the big stuff. Is that spirit still alive? I know that's a very loaded question. Um, yeah. Am I just being jaded? Is that spirit still alive? Do you think as a guy who's still in yeah. it and sees it? You know, the thing is, I think professional wrestling really is a microcosm of what society is. And mm. what we're faced with is you have the old guard, guys like me who have been around for a while, who still sometimes carry that spirit of doing Because, I mean, I still do whatever. I don't care. You know, I, I don't embarrass very easily. You know, I'll do the stupidest stuff. I don't care. I'll do whatever it takes to get something over. But now you have this new generation of people who are coming in. They're not being trained properly. They're not being taught the business properly. They're not being taught respect properly, and not just in Mm. wrestling, but in life in general. 
So a lot of times it's like, well, hand it to me, hand it to me, hand it to me, and I'm not going to go the extra mile to take what I want. Now, that's not to say everybody's like that, but there is a huge, huge population that doesn't believe they need to work for what they want, and they're not willing to go that extra mile. They, they, I can't for the life of me understand how somebody can get into an entertainment-driven business and be yeah. afraid of what they're going to look like. You know, I'm yeah. like, did you never watch wrestling as a kid? Did you never show Are you your kidding ass? Me? That's what the business has always been about, <laughs> literally and figuratively. You, everybody shows their ass. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I would like to believe, you know, and I mean, just from what I see, and like I said, I, I know this is going to sound horrible, but you know, I nowadays, I come in, I work a lot of hours. Uh, but nowadays, you know, I come into anarchy. I'm not as involved as, as I was at one time. And that's nothing mm-hmm. against anybody. So, you know, I don't see as much as I used to, but I would like to believe that the guys that I am interacting with uh, the most, they have that same spirit. They want to get out there. They want to have oh, the good cool. matches. They want to, you know, they want to entertain people. They want to move on, and they know to do that, they have to be the best at what they do. They have to give that effort. And that's what I see, you know, but I mean, but I go other places and I see these guys, man, and I'm like, Jesus, what? I'll give you a perfect example. My seven-year-old daughter, there's some guys in this business, my seven-year-old daughter knows more than they do. Mm-mm. You know, they, she, she has a better grasp on it than they do. And I'll, I'll tell you, so I'm not going to mention the guy's name because I'm not going to put him over, right? Because I absolutely have a lot of just... I, I would go off. But anyway, was that a show? <laughs> Guy is in there. He can't do anything right. So he takes a belt shot to the head. My daughter texts me. She was six at the time. She texts me from her mom's phone, and she's like, can you tell that effing idiot to get his hands up when something's coming towards his eye? <laughs> and I'm like, my daughter knows how to protect herself. I was like, my God, she understands. And, I, and that's nothing, that's no conversation I've ever had with her. She's just picked up on little things like that here and there. So I was like, wow. Oh. So, and it, the, the belt shot did bust his eye open and everything. So, I mean, he got what he deserved. I mean, I'm, I know that sounds mean, but, you know, hey, it is what it is. And people who know hey. the story know who exactly who I'm talking about. Yeah. JJ, I hate to bring this to a close. We need to have you back and talk more at length. This has not been long enough, but give us give us a little uh, lowdown on um, Hardcore Hell before we let you go. Okay, well, um, God, yeah, that's what I actually was supposed to be here for. I am so sorry, guys. Uh, Hardcore <laughs> Hell is coming up on uh, Saturday night, April the 13th at the historic Landmark Arena. It's a stacked card. It is going to be on Fight TV pay-per-view uh, for just a low price of nine ninety nine. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever bought a pay-per-view off of Fight TV, but you get to keep that thing for life. So, you know, whether you want to watch it or not, it is there waiting for you, you know. So uh, hopefully people will want to watch this. Uh, but it's a stacked day, too. Not just a stacked card, but a stacked day. Uh, Hall of Fame is going to begin at 5 p.m. Of course, uh, two guys who, you know, I have a special place in my heart for, uh, Jeff G. Bailey and Dan Wilson, because, you know, me, aside from being a commentator, have been a manager in the past, too. So, you know, I always show love to the guys that are managers, and, you know, Dan's been in the same spot as I have. You know, he's probably one of the best announcers to ever come through that building. Um, so they're going into the hall, and then, you know, uh, Platinum, you just mentioned that Tank and Iceberg 
are also going into the Hall of Fame this year, and I believe, uh, you know, well-deserved. I think this is a huge class. I, you know, I think the really cool thing about this Hall of Fame class this year is, you know, these are four guys that really shaped the beginning of anarchy. You know, and Dan, and of course, Dan and Jeff and Berg and Tank, you know, go back to the wild side days as well. But, I mean, very instrumental into bringing people into the building because – I can't think of four better guys who have brought people into that building than the guys that are going to the hall this year. So, um, you know, the cards on the Facebook page, but I'll just run it down real quick. Uh, we've got uh, the undeniable in a six-man tag taking on Osriel uh, Bolo and Crystal Rose. Um, Crystal, I mean, I, every year she seems to be in there mixing it up with the guys, so that's pretty cool. Uh, Kenji Brea and Will Caution are for the number one contendership for uh, – the Landmark Heritage Championship. So that's uh, two former champions going at it. These guys have actually have been going at it for quite some time now. So it's going to be uh, – I think that will be a really, really awesome, awesome match. Um, we got the Approved taking on Master and Machine. Uh, Matt Hankins is going to take on Jeter. Matt Hankins, is, of course, is our TV champion right now. So that's going to be for the TV title. Jeter has to be blindfolded. And when you talk about guys who are instrumental in anarchy, Billy Buck is going to be the special referee. And that'll be a guy that, you know, when when the time comes, should be a uh, definite uh, Landmark Arena Hall of Famer. Um, quick trivia about Billy Buck, and I put this over on commentary a lot, but uh, Billy Buck was actually in the very first match under the Anarchy banner there at the Landmark Arena. Took on a guy named Brent Silver, and I don't know if Larry remembers Brent Silver or not, but Brent Fairly. Silver was a jet. He was a jacked-up, blonde-headed guy. He kind of looked like a cross between Barry Windham and Lex Luger. And he was really on our Friday night shows uh, back in the Wild Side days. And just, I mean, was really good. But from what I understand, he got married and got fat. So I don't know whatever happened to him, but that's what I heard. And then, of course, the, wow. uh, the huge main event, the, uh, the cage is going up. And it is a uh, double Jeopardy winner um, for both belts for the Landmark Heritage title and the Anarchy Heavyweight title, Sal Renaro, Jacob Ashworth, uh, the Landmark Heritage champion, Strychnine, and then, of course, the Anarchy champion, Logan Creed, who just continues to impress uh, week in and week out. The guy is now the longest reigning champion of any kind in the history of the Landmark Arena. So when you think about the guys that have come through that building, you know, and also at Hardcore Hell, if he is able to walk out with the championship, he will be the first man to ever hold a title for one solid year in that building. So, amazing times. Yes, indeed. Well, and, thank um, you so much, JJ, for being on. Uh, I'm sorry, is there anything else you wanted to say? Please. Oh, no, I was just going to tell everybody that the, uh, the Hall of Fame starts at 5. There's a meet and greet at 6. Uh, the show actually starts at 7.30 with a pre-show and the pay-per-view. And also, I believe if I read Bill Barron's email correctly, and please forgive me if I didn't, uh, you may want to check into this, but the meet-and-greet and the Hall of Fame tickets are actually included into your front-row ticket this year. So when you buy tickets, it's an all-inclusive ticket, I believe, is what that email that Bill sent me um, today was. So um, you guys can check that out on the Anarchy Facebook page and reach out to them to reserve your seats. Um, the last – I think three hardcore hells have, excuse me, guys, last three hardcore hells have been sellouts. Uh, I know that I think last year and the year before, it actually sold out well before um, we usually had people showing up. So there were people showing up to signs that said, you know, sold out, no seats available. But um, definitely check into that because I think this is going to be a really hot ticket. 
And if it is sold out, you can watch us on pay-per-view. Yes. Thanks uh, a lot, JJ. But guys, I want to do this Appreciate again. It. I want to do this again. Yeah. I'll call back next week. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Thanks. I'll see you at Hardcore Hell. Hey, we... All right. I'll be there. Thanks for having me, guys. Right on. Thanks, JJ. Thanks. <laughs> Bye-bye. 21 years, Larry. Uh, and that's that's quite yeah. a guy there. He's one. He's one of the good ones. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Yeah. Our, is our next guest ready to yeah. rock? Yeah, I think he is. If I can get our switchboard to cooperate, we'll be bringing on Georgia Premier Wrestling's premier manager, Logan Chase. Hopefully. When I click this button, he will be joining the show now. Do we have you, Logan Chase? Using a new computer tonight, Steve. That may not have been a good idea. A new computer? He finally finally kicked the candy to the curb. <laughs> oh, God. I beat the hell out of that HP Pavilion thing. Wait a second. You know, I'm, I'm really sorry, Logan. This is... Um, I'm getting that spinning circle. He's it's it's not allowing me to bring him on for some reason. Um, this sucks. No doubt a conspiracy from his rival at GPW. Um, um, while while you're yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to have him call. I'm going to have him call back. So we're going to yes, fill some time. Okay, I was going <laughs> to say while while we're while we're attempting to get Logan on, I just I wanted to talk about the article that he wrote. I th- I think this is an interesting time, and you know, talking about Jeff Bailey, as I often do, um, you know, he's going into the Hall of Fame, and obviously his absence was felt this year in the Georgia Wrestling Awards. But it's actually been pretty reassuring to see that the management side of Georgia wrestling has been pretty well represented. I mean, Doc Brock was the winner, but you know, Logan Chase is definitely holding his own. I'd ask the question, are there any managers that are truly involved with the main event picture in their relative, in their respective promotions? And I think you can definitely say that Logan Chase is one of those guys that's in the main event, you know, as part of the main angle in the promotion of note where he participates. Um, yes, and I love as a manager and, yeah. and as a and as a wrestler, and we do have him connected. Logan Chase, welcome to the Tipping Point. What's going on, guys? <laughs> nice. See, see, of course, Larry gets you on, Logan, right when I'm praising what a big effing deal you are, and then Larry. <laughs> no, but I was just saying, you know, I think. With the absence of Jeff G. Bailey, that's a big vacuum to fill. But I think between yes. Doc Brock, you, and a guy that I don't think gets enough mention, which is Matt Hankins, who I think is doing a phenomenal job and doing his own thing. Like, I look forward to seeing, you know, Hankins has been putting out all these videos as of late with him, like, touting the uh, TV title that he won. They're absolutely hysterical. Um, you know, Doc Brock, of course, has got his whole thing going on. And then you, you know, you wrote that article, and then you, you're such a prominent part of GPW. I got I to gotta ask you, you know, you'd mentioned that you trained as a wrestler first. And uh, right. and you suggested that managers do that. Have have you did you ever think that as Logan Chase, basically manager at this point in your career, that you would be such an integral part of a promotion that was big and getting bigger? 
I mean, you're you're a big freaking deal at GPW. Did you did you think that this was going to happen a few years ago? Of course. I mean, come on. No, I'm playing. Nice. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I didn't. Um, you know, Woody and I go back a very long way. Um, he was there whenever I broke into the business, and I thought that my days were were gone. I was I, my breakout year in in wrestling was 2007 when I was managing the tag team, the now. And so um, after we broke up, I kind of just went back into oblivion, finished my real job, real school. Um, and Woody brought me back in right when I thought I was going to, going to get away from everything. And so slowly, but surely, you know, GPW started out as deep Southern championship wrestling has grown to what it yeah. is today, and I'm 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 very proud to be a part of it. Seeing as you, I, yeah, I gotta admit, I was I was surprised when you wrote the article to find out that you had been involved in wrestling for so long and trained it. Like it was it was a very revealing sort of piece that you wrote about managers in general. What kind of response besides you know my asshole fucking take on it? What kind of feedback had you gotten about what you'd written? I imagine you know, it was very over, positive. Yeah, the overall um, reception to the article was very positive. Um, you know, I, I've been a dark horse, like I've said. Um, I've been in the business for July will be 15 years for me, and mm-hmm. I've kept a very low profile, um, mostly northwest Georgia, and then I had with the now and kind of after that I – wrestled a little bit and then came to, to Woody's show. So um, I just, you know, you, you say Jeff's absence is, is missed and I agree with that. However, it's time that somebody takes the, the bull by the horns, I guess you say, and I'm stepping up to do that. Uh, Logan, had you ever been in the uh, good guy role out, you know, shaking hands, shooting folks, you know, doing pictures with the fans, kissing babies and that kind of stuff. Is it, or is this a first for you? This is a first for me. Um, you know, wow. Um, being a being a good guy manager um, is is an art form into itself. Um, yeah. A lot a lot of times we we think of managers as as the storytellers, and being a good guy, you you don't cheat, you don't um, you your baby faces pretty much. Um, have the crowd behind them so the the point of the promo is the story and the focus of the story and so i've kind of tweaked myself to to that storyteller role um as a babyface manager hmm. you know when you bring that up it's true i mean who have been like prominent babyface managers i guess the two that come to mind are arnold scotland um and like i guess captain lou albano in the wwf Right, like the manager of tag team champions, but like there really haven't been all that many, have there? There haven't, and you know, um, it's quite funny. Cornette, who everyone typically associates me with, um, he he had a baby face run. Um, JJ Dillon had had some baby face runs, so there's plenty of of um, material there to pull from, uh, but it's a different day in wrestling. So um, you kind of take that material and mold it into what you, what you have. 
Logan, I was unaware of your wrestling background, and of course, as I said to you, I was shocked to see you flying off the top rope and such in that match. You weren't the only one. <laughs> too. So awesome. Uh, <laughs> how do you? And and I you know I appreciated what you wrote about the the, the importance of of training for for a manager. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your training? Yeah, you know I um. Wrestling really saved my life, and that's kind of a a um, a story into itself. But wrestling came into my life whenever I was had my darkest days in my teenage years, and I kind of uh, found a promotion local um, in Dalton, Georgia, called TriStar Wrestling Alliance, um, and I finagled my way in and. I trained as a wrestler. I was probably the only person out of that training class to one, still be in it and two, not being a crap show. Um, and you know, my trainer actually, um, kind of gawked at me whenever I said, I just want to be a manager. Like that's all I've ever wanted to do since I was 10. And so I I find myself in an old school mindset that yes, managers, um, should be trained. And Stephen, you know, I appreciate the the video that you did uh, critiquing my article. I can't wait to see what you're going to say about me now. Um, but I think my premise around what I said was at least know how to bump and at least know how to tell the story. Um, and now more than ever, um, I appreciate that training that I had. It, um, I had a role, a, a run as a wrestler. I was the first male diva, um, wrestled women throughout North Georgia, did some, some of that type of stuff, nothing prominent. Um, and then I went back to my managing roots. Did you ever uh, consider branching out beyond the North Georgia area? You know, whenever I broke in, Larry, um, the one thing that I didn't have was someone to kind of help guide me. Um, that was still 2004 is when I broke in. So that was still very guarded. Um, you know, I knew it was wild side and I think had just transitioned over to anarchy, but I didn't think about branching out until, um, I started managing Tom Pritchard and, he linked me with the now. And so whenever I was linked with the now was when my first real exposure of traveling, branching out, doing other shows, that type of thing. It's probably one of my biggest regrets um, because, you know, maybe I wouldn't have been a dark horse um, in the conversation around managers. And maybe, you know, maybe I could have given Bailey a run for his money. Yeah, I mean, because for me, frankly, and it's my, you know, it's my bad that I, I yeah. knew your name, but never really, hardly saw you work ever for 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 you know the great the great majority of your career. Yeah, and and like I like I said, you know, I felt I I felt that bond to stay in what you would term the outlaw indies um, with. Uh, the people that I trained with, the people I came into the business with, and at that time, um, the promoter was very um, 
very stern that you don't branch out. Um, and so that's probably one of my greatest drawbacks was that I bought into that hype and I didn't put myself out there more. It is the one great thing about being a manager though, isn't it? Like I, like you can still do it at a high level. Like it, it isn't like being a wrestler where you go through stages, right? Where it's like, yeah, if you're, if you're in your mid to late thirties, of course you can still wrestle. And of course you can do good stuff in the ring, but generally you wrestle like smarter, but not harder. But as a manager, who who does frequently get in the ring and do things for blow-offs and whatnot, you can still go and you can still do your shit. And it actually gets better and better. Like, I, you know, <laughs> like, that's the one – it's it's tough to be a manager in the modern game, no doubt. But the one advantage you have is the older you get, the more you can pull off being a manager. You know, You know how I feel about sort of, like, managers in their early 20s. I think it's ludicrous. Right, I think it's ludicrous the idea of a, like someone who's 22 who's going to offer their wisdom, which I think is part of the sort of manager persona. Whereas nobody can doubt, especially I think after that article, and we know more, so much more about you, and we've heard you speak. I don't think anybody can doubt your sort of like credibility and your ethos and and what you deliver. Like I, I want to talk about this feud you're having. Right now with Daryl. Oh, do we like, have to bring him up? We, yes, because I want to ask you this really tough question, Logan. And it's a tough question. Okay. What about you? Okay. I, 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 this is going to be a hard question to phrase, but I'll just do it as directly as I can. Whenever I was feuding with anybody, if, if I was feuding with Anarchy or I was feuding with Matt Hankins, or I would legitimately – um, find something that I hated about them. And sometimes that wasn't very hard to do <laughs> with mm-hmm. people who I wrestled against or feuded with. I would find something right. I legitimately hated about them and then just go in on it. And whether right. I was a baby face or a heel, it was the same sort of process. It, do you have a thing like, what do you hate about Daryl or the idea of Daryl? that you hone in on, or do you have a different kind of process when you're thinking about no, that? Dude? No, you're spot on Steve with that process. Um, <laughs> I think one of the things that I've honed in on is, have you met Daryl? Um, there's pretty much <laughs> a lot of material there. Um, and so one of the biggest things is he legitimately believes that um, he built GPW to where it is today. And I stand very firm that I'm one of the backbone members of GPW. So I take great offense um, to someone coming in, laying that claim. And Woody is the true pioneer of GPW. And so, you know, I, it, it, Daryl lends himself to the material that's out there. Um, But yeah, yeah, I, I, I find I find myself doing the same thing. I, I I try to speak the truth when I'm out there. Um, the fans see it. I see it. The boys see it. Yeah. Uh, here's a, here's a follow up question. So one of the things okay. about Daryl is he's been very. Woody was a, definitely sort of an old school, like sort of like get along kind of guy, 
right? And that's not a knock at all. Woody's just a very affable, sort of like friendly, wise guy, right? Um, right. Daryl is not, right? Like he's he's very interested in starting shit and conflicting. I think it's why he and Gary Lamb are just so, so hilarious because the two of them are like – Gary Lamb is basically the rich man's version <laughs> in some ways of Daryl, you know, perhaps right. a little more educated and a little smarter <laughs> and all of that. Oh. But Daryl is definitely a shit starter. And uh, like, I, I find it so fascinating that there's a guy like that in modern wrestling. I kind of love it. And if you look, so my question, my weird question is this. So do you, do you, I don't know if approve is the word. How do you feel about the fact that Daryl is so openly contentious, not just with you, not just with the old guard of GPW, but with other promotions that are direct competition? Like he's, he's all about calling out everybody and everything. Does that, does yeah, that give and- you pause or does that, or does that excite you? No, you know, I think the one good quality about, um, about Daryl is he knows how to create a buzz and he has GPW in the mouths of everyone in the state of Georgia. Um, he, he knows how that controversy creates cash that Eric Bischoff kind of coined. Um, it truly, it's true. I mean, Daryl, um, Daryl can get under your skin and, um, you you want to punch him? Um, it felt good to punch him last. Uh, I think it was last Saturday. Um, but <laughs> at the at the end of the day, it it really it really is about creating that buzz, and and he's good at creating that buzz. Yeah. Yeah. If I recall yeah, correctly. Is, he's a... No, go ahead. Go right ahead. No, no. What did he do? Tell me. Tell. I want to hear about him. No, I was going to say. I mean, he, my, my recollection is Logan punched him all the way back to the dressing room, and, and Daryl was crawling on the floor, yelling, "Please help me!" So I think he did a pretty good job on really. Please help me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it it was like your like, you know, he was reaching out to Larry for help and and thinking Larry was going to help him or something. But I mean, he Daryl is like a canker sore. You, you can't you can't get rid of him, but one day I'm going to pop him like a pimple. <laughs> Logan, uh, so awesome that you're on. What what's coming up in GPW? What are what are the dates and places we need to know? Well, you know we have a show coming up April 13th. Um, you know uh, Cyrus the Destroyer, my monster my personal instrument of destruction. He and Cousin Cletus won the tag team titles at our last show. We finally overcame the quote-unquote real GPW um, and got a little comeuppance on Daryl. So, you know, come the 13th, we'll be defending those titles because we're true champions. And Stevie Richards will be um, in action on the 13th along with Chip Hazard, um, Matt Sells, and and many more of the stars of GPW. Yes, tremendous. And and yes. I might have a little surprise for Daryl, just a little bit. I've oh, got a couple you? of plans. I do. Wonderful. 
Uh, last question before we no, let you go. Have you ever, have yes, you ever seen GPW this hot? No. Um, I, I think that um, that we've kind of going back to Daryl and his um, whatever you want to call him, um, his can canniness or his ability to to create controversy. Um, in December, when he turned his back on everybody, um, he definitely took Canton and most of the wrestling world in Georgia by surprise at that. And I think that um, that's created the buzz that's bringing in the people that will ultimately um, hopefully see us rid the wrestling world of Daryl. Mm. Well, if I could make a request, Logan, and of course I have no influence on anything GPW does or Logan or Daryl. God, if you could make him bleed, I, I would love to see a Larry report with a picture of Daryl bleeding. <laughs> just like oh, trust me. horrific anarchy level like blade. I just, I just want to see blood on his face, and I want to see like you with like a handful of his hair while he bleeds. That would. I would, I'll tell you this, if that picture happens, Logan, I'm going to take that picture and I'm going to print it and I'm going to frame it and I'm going to feature it prominently in my home during my video. <laughs> Very <laughs> nice. You, you, you know, Steve, I think I can make that happen. I think I can make that happen. Stay tuned. <laughs> but I'll get way more enjoyment out of it than you will, trust me. <laughs> Perhaps, <laughs> maybe. Um, well, you know, Logan, thanks for being on. And uh, please, anytime you feel the urge to put something out there, like the article that you wrote, please do. I, I think this is a great time with between you and Drew Blood, and you know, I've I've got I've got the bug again to talk about wrestling, and uh, I think the more voices that we get out there of guys that that know what they're doing, frankly, um, who are out there talking about wrestling and getting people to discuss it instead of just the usual indie drama stuff. I have no desire to sort of like rehash the old feuds, but I am very interested in people who have something really significant and smart to say. Um, you know, I realized like Scott Hensley, God bless him. If that's the guy that's going to talk the most and give the most advice about wrestling, we're in deep shit. And it needs to be guys like you, me, like the, the, the people who, not that he can't have a voice, but he shouldn't be the prominent voice. See, Nick should not be the prominent voice in Georgia wrestling. It just can't be. It's got to be a collective of the guys that have really gotten in there and done it. And uh, I thank you for writing that article. I thought it was really great and just really great to see um, you kind of trying to stand out more because you just you, you dark horse no more. I think you deserve your moment in the sun and fucking ride that wave, man. Cause it's a lot of fun to see. Well, well, thank you, Steve. And I will just a little spoiler alert, I guess. Um, I have my second article written and it's a call to the actual managers. You know, we, we past article talked about, the devaluation that wrestling has done to managers, but this time it's, it's a call to action for managers and it's either get, oh, get, get your act together and step up or step out because there are those of us who, who are ready to reclaim the glory. Excellent. Well, Logan, thank you so much for coming on.
Thank you guys for having me. This was fun. I was super nervous, never really done a podcast before, so uh, take it easy on me on your ratings there, you know? Um, (laughs) Thanks, Logan. Thank you, guys. Thank Thank you. you. Well, man, so, so Larry, having been to GPW shows yourself, what, what separates, I know we're running over time as we often do, but what's something that separates, for people who haven't been to GPW, what's different about going to their show as opposed to going to Southern Honor or Anarchy or Combat? What's, what's, what's special about them, about their vibe? It's more of an old school vibe. The closest to it is WrestleMerica in terms of the Mm. the shows that I go to anyway that have more of an old school vibe. I would say WrestleMerica even a little more than GPW, but GPW has that um, vibe and has that core of fans that have been following them for years, which has now been added to to move their crowds from, you know, 200, two and a quarter, whatever, up to 350 to 400. So you've got this nice blend of their their long-term hardcore fans with new fans who are excited and an overall hotter atmosphere that I've not experienced there before. And it's the other thing about it is similar to um, Southern Fried and, well, Southern Honor 2, you've got that packed house effect where they're filling the building and yeah. it's loud and it's, 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 you know, you got, you got an electric atmosphere going, which I have to say from, you know, going to GPW years ago, Electric, it was not, and it is. It is now. Right. And uh, speaking of which, of course, JJ was on earlier. We wish him all the best of luck health-wise, and you know he's talking about hardcore. I mean, twenty-one years, Larry, and Hall of Fame, and you buy one ticket and it gets you into all that stuff. I mean, you're you're a fool not to go. You know, this is a very hot time in wrestling, in Georgia wrestling in particular. Um, you know, Anarchy is doing well. Um, obviously, Southern Honor. Um, you know, GPW. Action is coming on. Um, lots of people. It's it's uh, the horn of plenty right now. But then there are promotions that are not doing well at all. And you know. That maybe maybe that warrants a discussion on the next tipping point, but uh, it was great to have JJ on. It was certainly great to have Logan Chase on. Um, any final thoughts based on what happened? Well, this a couple. Week, right? Yeah, in terms of the, your, yeah. your comment about promotions not doing well, I did uh, endeavor to get um, Blacklist Uno and Josh Wheeler on the show to talk about combat. And um, I think that Uno um, will do the show. Josh Wheeler will not do a show as long as you're the co-host, just point blank. So, um, but hopefully we'll get um, Uno on some time to talk about combat because success, success or not, it's interesting what they're what they're trying to do, and um, certainly what the, you know, calling out every promotion in Georgia was an interesting road to go down. Um, Moose Lewis came up earlier with JJ, yeah. and uh, I, that, I mean, that always intrigues me. I've been trying to get, I may have mentioned this on here before, trying to get Moose Lewis on this show, and thought we might get him, and then he stopped responding. But you may remember that Moose Lewis was responsible for the idea of the All-White Basketball League, the All-American Basketball <laughs> Alliance, 
where all the players who are going to be required to be natural-born United States citizens uh, of the Caucasian race. And this goes back a number of years, but I've always wanted to ask him about that. Was it a, was it a shoot, or what was the story on that, as well as his, his uh, forays into the boxing world? An interesting character, to say the least. Maybe someday we'll get him on. Uh, last oh, thing boy. is uh, breaking news. We've got a Peach State pandemonium. This Thursday night, the special guest is going to be John Cosper. We'll be joining mm. hosts Bobby Simmons, Jerry Oates, and Michael Norris. Cosper is the host, is the author of Bluegrass Brawlers, the story of pro wrestling in Louisville, and also a book on Jim Mitchell. So um, it should be an interesting show. That's 8 o'clock this Thursday night. Nice. Well, fantastic stuff as always, Larry. Um you know, I'll have a couple of more. And again, a, an open call out, splatum at gmail.com. Give me the names of Georgia promotions and uh, where and their website where I can kind of find out information about them if you guys will. As always, thank you so much for tuning into the Tipping Point. It's always a lot of fun, Larry. Um, so for Larry Goodman, I'm Stephen Platinum. Thank you for joining us once again on the Tipping Point.